Well, welcome again, everybody, and everybody online. Welcome, everybody, at Montrose. Uh, we're starting a new series this weekend that I'm excited about uh, called The Wilderness. And as we're uh, following kind of Jesus and the path that he took in his life, uh, last weekend we looked at his baptism and what that meant and these massive and very real ramifications that show up in our life today. And it's interesting that the very next thing that happened to him was he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness in which he went, underwent temptations there and trials there. And so we're going to take a few weeks and kind of set, set up shop there and look at why that was and what happened, who was there, uh, what Jesus was doing and what he taught us through his actions. And I, this weekend what I want to do is we're, we're launching this off, I just want to introduce this series and I want to introduce some uh, ideas about it and some ideas about what the wilderness is like and how that shows up in, in our lives. I think usually when we think about times in our life that feels like we're in a wilderness, it's usually times in our life where we are looking for direction or we feel alone or we're unsure about what our next step is supposed to be. And there's times that we show up in the wilderness kind of individually. Uh, there's times that we would feel that way kind of corporately, like something has happened. There's a trauma to a group of people, and they're not sure what to do. I suppose that could happen nationally. It could even happen kind of globally. The last couple of years would feel that way a little bit. Like we're out here. It's different. It's uncertain. We're not sure how to navigate it, but here we are. And it's interesting, when the Bible uses the term wilderness, it, it usually uses it in that context. So when the Bible talks about wilderness, it's usually talking about a place of isolation or desolation. And, and that term would be used because it's what the environment was that people were in. If you think about like the wilderness in the Middle East, it would look like that. So this isn't out in Sasquatch country, you know, kind of a thing. But this is dry, isolated, desolated, and that's how I would feel in my soul. I would feel in a place that I'm just not alive. I'm not alive spiritually, maybe emotionally I'm not alive. Uh, a place that I might feel stuck, like how did I get here and why am I here? A place where I would feel isolated. I feel like I'm the only person here. And then I don't really know what to do. Like, how do you get out of this? What are you, are you supposed to go that way, that way, that way? Because everything around me looks and feels like that same type of thing in my life. And we would just call that the wilderness. And when we think about in our relationship with Jesus, how the wilderness feels spiritually, it feels like that. It feels isolated, it feels desolate, it feels dry, it feels like I'm stuck. It's a place that I really don't want to be, and it's full of experiences that I would really prefer to avoid, right? Because the spiritual wilderness feels lonely, and being lonely is different than being alone. Sometimes we want to be alone, we don't ever want to be lonely, but I would feel that way in the wilderness, the wilderness spiritually in my relationship with God feels like a punishment. Like God took me to a place where I feel like my, my dreams and my hopes 
are lost and, and frustrated, and I thought they were God-honoring hopes and dreams. Like, I thought marriage was a good thing, and kids were a positive thing, and serving Jesus through the church was the thing that he would want me to do, and, but it's not that way. And now I feel like I'm alone, or I must have done something, or I did something wrong, and that's why I would be experiencing it this way. The wilderness often, I think, feels like spiritual abandonment, where we would look at God and we would say, if you loved me, it, if you love me, why would you leave me here? Or why would you take me here? Uh, it, it doesn't, this doesn't feel like a blessing. Like some guy told me somewhere that I was supposed to get blessings, and this does not feel like a blessing. And where are you, God? You said you'd never leave me or forsake me, but I sure feel left and forsaken and here I am in this wilderness. And so we're going to talk about this here for a, a few weeks because the wilderness feels a certain way. That's what we're going to kind of observe here this weekend. We're going to find that in the wilderness, Jesus ran into the, the evil one. And so we're going to talk about that, that spiritual warfare and what the devil is like and what he does to us in the wilderness uh, Jesus leaned into his relationship with his father. And we're going to talk about what that looks like and how do we do that, kind of the example that he set from us there. And then we're going to talk about kind of how we journey through that time and, and what God wants to do in it. So this weekend, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just make five observations about the wilderness. So if you wanted to write five things down, I'm going to have five things for you. These lists are popular nowadays. So five observations about the wilderness. And we're just going to talk about what God does for us when we are there and what happens in us when we get to these places where we feel alone and far from God. We're gonna set up shop in Luke chapter four. So if you wanna open your Bibles there, you can. Luke chapter four is page 834 and those Bibles that are in the chairs. And we're just gonna camp here for a, a few weeks. And I'm gonna kinda like overview it for you this weekend and then we're gonna take time and dig into this as, as we go forward. But Luke chapter four, this is right after the immediate next thing that happens after Jesus' baptism. So Jesus' baptism, kind of this triumphal moment, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all in the same place at the same time. Jesus takes his first step to be in our substitution for us, which is the heart of the gospel. And it's this really, really powerful, kind of mountaintoppy kind of experience that we all celebrated and that Jesus was a part of. And the very next thing that happens is this in Luke chapter 4. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. And then the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread, do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of all these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone that I please. I will give it all to you if you worship me. And Jesus replied, the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, 
He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And, and, and uh, Jesus then rebutted that temptation as well. So this is what's happening in the wilderness. Jesus is out there all by himself. He's depleted emotionally. He's depleted physically. He's depleted, you could say, spiritually. And right at that moment, his enemy shows up, pressing into those areas of weakness in his life. And what Satan did and how Jesus responds is an example for us in response. It's a warning to us of the attack that comes. And all of this happens in the wilderness, in this place that feels far from God and where we are depleted and tired and worn and yet it's a place that we often find ourselves. Now I want you to see something that's important as we get into this because it really changes how we talk about and how we define wilderness experiences in our lives. And it's this verse in chapter four, verse one, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. It's important that we remember that Jesus wasn't lost in the wilderness. He didn't wander in there and he's like, oh snap, now I'm stuck in a wilderness. Jesus didn't, um, didn't, wasn't abandoned in the wilderness. So it wasn't like he got baptized and his father was like, now we'll see what you're made of and threw him into the wilderness for some kind of survival skill. He was led into the wilderness because the wilderness was exactly the place that God wanted him to be. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Because we live in a day and age that if you are at all tied into Christian subculture, which has a couple of strengths and a whole bunch of weaknesses to it. And if you read books and you listen to podcasts and you listen to music, what you're going to hear again and again and again and again is that God wants to bless you and that God wants to prosper you and God would never want you to go through any pain or any suffering or any kind of a dry or desolate time in your life. And I'm here to tell you that that's a lie. That is not true. It's not true of you, and it wasn't true of Jesus. Jesus was led to this place, this place where he had to wrestle with temptation, where he had to resist an enemy, where he even, I'm sure, was tempted to question his relationship and the love of his Father. Because God the Father knew that the wilderness was necessary for the cross. And God was working in Jesus' life, knowing that just like his baptism was a step toward the cross, the wilderness was the next step. And that what he was going to accomplish in and through his son's life in the wilderness was ultimately not just gonna work to the good of Jesus, but was going to work to the good of the kingdom to the goal that God was gonna accomplish through Jesus' time on this earth. So I wanna look at those things a little bit this weekend. Like I said, we're just setting it up, but I wanna look at that a little bit. And this weekend I wanna show you five observations about the wilderness 
that I, I think will help us to understand why God leads us to those places. Uh, you don't just wander to the wilderness. You aren't abandoned in the wilderness. You're not just stuck or lost in the wilderness. But like Christ, I believe for Christ followers, there are times that God will lead us there. Even if you're not a Christ follower, there are times that God will allow you to be in lonely and desolate places because he wants to interact with you and he wants to work in you in a unique way that you wouldn't otherwise embrace. And I kind of wrote down this question, could it be that we're thinking about the wilderness in a wrong way? That the wilderness isn't a place that God would leave us or he would never want us to be and doesn't he want me to be happy all the time? But maybe the wilderness is the exact place that God has led you to And if we could understand a little bit more what he was doing there, maybe we could embrace it kind of in some of the same ways that Jesus did, right? So here's the first thing, five observations. Number one, the first thing I would observe about the wilderness from this passage is this, is that the wilderness is isolating. The wilderness is isolating. When you find yourself in times when you are emotionally or relationally or even recently physically isolated. If you still have to be at home because of COVID, if you still have to watch those health concerns, you find yourself even physically alone. So whether it's emotionally, physically, spiritually uh, isolated, that feels like a wilderness place where I'm by myself, I'm alone, it feels desolate here. And that's true of the wilderness. The Bible says this, that Jesus, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He ate nothing and all the time, uh, that all that time, and became very hungry. Jesus is by himself and he's depleted. So he's depleted in every form and fashion. He's 40 days on a fast that, that maybe he hadn't even planned on being on. He's by himself. The only guy around him at the end is the evil one. So we know that Satan shows up, but we know that there's this time alone in the wilderness with Jesus that the Spirit led him to spend, right? And that's true of our wilderness experiences as well. Why are you in the wilderness? Why would God lead you there? There are times when God knows that you need him and you don't know that you need God. There's times that God knows that you need him, but you don't know that you need God. And the only way for God to reconnect with you is to lead you to a place of isolation that you would never go on your own. Did you catch that? There's times that God knows you need him, but you don't need, know that you need God. And the only way that God can get time with you, so to say, is for him to lead you to a place of isolation that you would never go on your own. Because when we are in the wilderness, we interact with God differently 
and God knows that, right? Busyness, guys, listen, what busyness does is it drowns out the voice of God in our life. What busyness does is it drowns out the voice of God. I don't have time to listen to God when I'm getting killed at work. I don't have time to listen to God when I'm running for work to get the kids over to soccer. I don't have time to listen to God when I'm at soccer and I'm trying to figure out how to feed the kids so I shove a whopper down their throat. I don't have time to listen to God when we get back because we have homework to do. I don't have time because when the homework's done, we gotta get in bed and we gotta plan for the next day so that we can do it all over again. But my mind is racing like crazy, so I'm gonna put my AirPods in to listen to a book or a podcast or an ocean so I can go to sleep so I can function again the next day. And that's the way that most of us live. Minute to minute to minute. Activity to activity to activity. Television to podcast to phone to radio to podcast to sleep. And God knows that when we live like that, and we do, let's just be honest about it. When we live like that, what starts to dry up and wither within us is our soul. The soul is not fed. And as the soul starves to death, so to say, and then our bodies start to do it, and it's the stress headache, and it's I can't sleep at night, and I can't, and we're 40 days, 50 days, a high school career, a college career, a marketplace career later. The very thing that gives us life is the last thing that we will pursue. So when I'm forced to be by myself, or suddenly a relationship breaks down, or suddenly work decides to retire me or move me on, I'm in the wilderness. And am I there as a cursed person or a blessed person? Am I broken as a cursed person or as a blessed person? Is God punishing me Or did he lead me somewhere that he knew if I didn't get to, and I would never choose on my own, that my soul, see, would wither, die, starve to death because I've so neglected it in my busy life. Our prayers change in the wilderness. When I'm in the wilderness and my Life is shut down. I'm not praying about the car and the new house and about the job. Suddenly, I'm dialed in because when I see that my soul is starving to death, I'll start to see that my kids' souls are starving to death. That my friend who doesn't know Jesus' soul is starving to death. My prayers will change in the wilderness because I'm finally able to hear and interact with God. The wilderness can be a place of frustration or it can be a place of rest. It was so frustrating to be quarantined and yet somehow oddly refreshing because I would have never stopped that way on my own, not in a million years. And it was amazing how when there was time, how when there was, there was 
money because I wasn't entertaining myself so much. And it's amazing how my financial pressure is relieved a little bit. It's amazing what I started to value, what I started to care about, what I started to invest in, what I started to say, we're going to have to keep doing this after we're done. You're not dragged into the wilderness because you weren't a good Christ follower. If that was the case, we'd all live there all the time. But you may have been led there. And that time when you feel alone and you feel isolated and you start to ask the question, something should be different, something is wrong, something has to change, is not an abandonment from a God who decided that he wasn't going to bless you anymore. It very well could be an act of love from a God who knows that you're dying from the inside out. It's going to feel like isolation when in reality... Your heavenly father is there and he may just want that time with you. Here's a second observation. God leads us into the wilderness to prepare us for something greater. He always leads us into the wilderness to prepare us for something greater. It's interesting, we'll touch on this in a couple weeks, but as you keep going through Luke chapter four, you kind of see Jesus come out of the wilderness, right? After the temptations and his interaction with the evil one. And the Bible says this in verse 14 of chapter four. Then Jesus returned to Galilee. This is out of the wilderness, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. This is the first time in the scripture where you see that. That I was baptized, Jesus would have done. I went 40 days in the wilderness And I came out of that wilderness different. God accomplished something in Jesus in the wilderness. He empowered Jesus in a different way in the wilderness. A similar thought to this, the Apostle James writes about one of my favorite passages of Scripture where he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be matured and completed, needed, needing nothing. When God takes us into the wilderness, he's accomplishing something in us. He's preparing us for something that we didn't know that we were prepared for, being prepared for. I'm convinced that one of the reasons why the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness is because the wilderness was the place that Jesus began to prepare for the cross. Because if the wilderness was isolating, the cross is 10 times, 1,000 times. If the wilderness was dry and parched, the cross is... A thousand times. If the wilderness was a place that you were tempted to to bail and question the heart of your father, the cross a million times. And so God was preparing his son in a way that only he knew. And when we are in the wilderness, we're in the wilderness because God wants to do something through us. You see this all throughout church history. Whenever the church of Jesus Christ goes through a time of tribulation or a time of persecution, they always come out of that time of tribulation or persecution stronger than they went into it. But nobody ever signs up for that. Me either. 
I'm not, I'm never like, God, you know what I would really love? I'd love for you to like close the new house and maybe give me a puppy. And if I could just be persecuted, that would be like, I'm not, I don't want to sign up for that. But some of the greatest work God does in your life is in some of the strongest trials you will ever go through. And it's not God abandoning you. It's not God punishing you. It's God preparing you for the greater things that he's called you to that you can't even imagine what they are yet. And he did that in his son's life, and he does that in our life. And the wilderness is not a place of punishment or abandonment. It's a place of maturing and completing. That God is working within us. And when we see it that way and embrace it that way, that work finishes itself. God brings us to the place that he wants us to be. And he works in the areas of our life that we wouldn't necessarily ask him to work on. Here's the third observation. The third observation is this. The wilderness calls your bluff as a disciple. The wilderness caused your bluff as a disciple. I find it fascinating that in the wilderness, Jesus goes 40 days, he doesn't eat. I, I can't land 40 minutes, I'll be honest with you. So, I, especially during Halloween season. I mean, it's terrible, it's junk everywhere. But like 40 days, he doesn't eat. And 40 days later, he doesn't eat. What's the very first thing Satan tempts him with? Why don't you turn that rock into bread? And if there was ever a guy and ever a time when everybody else would look at Jesus and say, you are not a wimp. 39-day fast is pretty impressive. And Jesus had this opportunity that everybody would have excused. Nobody would have even looked at 39-day, like nobody would have even looked at him as a wimp. And he had this opportunity to just cave and to yield to temptation. And he looked at Satan. He's like, no, no. I know who I am. I know who my provider is. I know what the bread of life really is. And it's not that rock. So no. And what happens in the wilderness is I think sometimes, I can think if I'm not careful, that I have a relationship with God that I don't have. And I think because I'm in a, a good religious rhythm or I've been raised in a Christian subculture so I know bunches of answers to things or that I'm a student of the Bible or that I'm just a really, really good person, I can think that I have a really strong relationship with God when in reality what I have is a really strong contract with God. I don't smoke I don't chew, I don't drink, I don't date girls who do, I don't cheer for Michigan. Therefore, God, because I don't do these things, you should be blessing my life in all these ways. And suddenly, I'm in the wilderness because I was led there. And I look to God and I say to God, in essence, but wait a minute, I served you. I, I didn't smoke, drink, or chew. I, I gave money, I did all these things that everybody told me to do. Why am I in the wilderness? And it's at those moments that our discipleship is exposed. 
Did I sign up to follow Jesus, to give my life to Jesus, to know and love Jesus, or did I sign up to be blessed by Jesus? Because he never promised that. So how in the world could you possibly have me in the wilderness? And what happens when our faith is put to the test, see, when our faith is put to the test, it's exposed for what it is. When my intimacy with God is put to the test, it's exposed for what it is. It's one thing to sing a worship song about surrendering my life to God when that means like go to church and don't drop the F-bomb. It's another thing to, to sing a worship song about surrendering my life to God when my life just blew up. When I'm burying a person that I love. When, when, I, when I went to all the parenting classes and they didn't work on my kid. When I'm struggling in a relationship that I made a covenant to but I don't actually want to be in. In the wilderness, you will find out the depth of your discipleship. Now that's, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, guys, listen, I would argue that's a good thing. I don't want to find out the depth of my discipleship when I'm looking Jesus in the eye. I don't want to find out that, that my faith wasn't what I always thought it was or pretended that it was. I would rather know that now. And when God brings the reality of my faith to light, he's not shaming me. He's not punishing me. He's loving me. And he's with me in that place. And the wilderness does that every time. Every time. It will always call our bluff as a disciple. This is the fourth observation. The wilderness is not the place that God abandons us, but it's a place we often abandon God. The wilderness is not a place where God abandons us, but it's a place that we often abandon God. In the wilderness, God and I are probably going to have a disagreement. I'm probably going to look at God and say, I think my life should have gone that way. And God, in essence, is going to look at you and say, well, I decided your life was going to go this way. Well, we are just not agreeing on this, right? And the question is going to be, like, who walks away from whom? Because God would look and say, your life, I created your life to go this way but I didn't want it or I didn't expect it. I understand. Aren't you following me though? Because I'm, I'm going this way. And it's not that God abandons us, but oftentimes we abandon God. If that's what it means to know you and follow you and obey you, I'm out. I didn't sign up for that. I signed up to be blessed. I signed up to be a good person. I signed up for whatever I signed up for. But I don't want to do that. And I'm not going to do that. In the wilderness, my truth 
is often exposed as false. And in a time when I'm taught to believe myself and believe my feelings and define my own way, and Jesus looks at me and says, well, actually, I am the way, the truth, the life, and this is the way, the truth, the life, but I don't want that. I want to live this, and I want to think this way, and I want to be seen this way, and God, when God disagrees with us, not that God abandons us, but we often abandon God. My faith in the wilderness will be tested, and who the Lord of my life will be revealed in the wilderness. It's the nature of it. It's not because God hates you or he's punishing you or he's going to rub your nose in it. He brought his own son to the wilderness. But it's that he loves you enough to let you see this and let you understand this. Because the Bible says there's a way that seems right for a man, but in the end it leads in death. When I create a truth and I create a God and I create a spirituality and I create a system and Jesus went this way. So in the wilderness, all that stuff is brought to the light and it's brought to bear. Here's the last thing, the fifth thing. The wilderness refines the prayers of the mountaintop into a lasting reality. The wilderness refines the prayers of the mountaintop into a lasting reality. So if you have spiritual lows, where I feel alone and I feel desolate and I feel scared, that's a wilderness. If I feel close to God and I'm walking with God and I just had this incredible experience and it's just amazing and I'm all in, you have a mountaintop and you have a wilderness. What the wilderness does is it takes the prayers of the mountaintop and it brings it into a lasting reality. That girl that you prayed for on that mountaintop and you wanted her and godly girl and God just showed her to me and she walked in the room and friends are friends forever and you connected to her and you are just enamored by her, and you guys fell in love, and it's the most wonderful thing in the world, it really is, and you got married, and you made a covenant between God, and I said I do, and then I kissed the girl, and the lobster sang and everything, and it was just absolutely incredible. That girl that you had all those emotions for, that answer to prayer, that dream come true, you're gonna learn to love that girl in the wilderness, not on the mountaintop. Because when that girl struggles, and when that guy struggles, and when that girl's parents pass away, and that guy's dream dies, the wilderness is where you learn to bring that prayer into a reality that actually lasts forever. You fall in love with a girl, it's incredible. Let me tell you something. You don't learn to love. You don't know the depth of love until you've gone through the most painful thing in the world and she's still sitting right beside you. 
I know way more about loving my wife 28 years later. And it's not always as fun as it used to be because we kind of know what we got ourselves into at this point. See how that works? That child you longed for, you prayed for, you learned to love them in the wilderness. That wisdom you craved, oh Lord, I just need wisdom, that person or so. You pick that wisdom up in the wilderness. You don't get that on the mountaintop. You learn those things in the wilderness. That respect you demanded, you gotta respect me. I'm 14 now, Dad. You gotta respect me. That respect comes by how you journey through the wilderness. That's where you pick that up. That depth you idealize, I just wanna know God on the mountaintop. I wanna know God and understand God. You know where you'll know God and understand God is when you go to the same place his son went. You learn that in the wilderness. And it's not a punishment. And it's certainly not an abandonment. It's a gift. And all the things that God wants to give you are all byproducts of the wilderness that God leads us into to complete and to mature our relationship with him and with each other. The wilderness is a place that's desolate and beautiful. The wilderness is a place that we feel alone, but we're never alone. We're going to see next week the wilderness has some enemies in it because there's a bunch of stuff that can kill you dead in the wilderness. And the wilderness we're going to see in the next couple of weeks is a place of hope and power and restoration. And you are a different person coming out of that wilderness than you were going into it. And how that change happens usually is tied directly to how you perceive the wilderness around you. Is this a place that I'm stuck? Is this a place of punishment? Is this a place of abandonment? Or did God lead me here? Because he wants to do something powerful and greater in my life, knowing full well I would have never chosen to come. And the wilderness can be one of the most dynamic, incredible, life-changing gifts that we're ever given as children of God. Right? I think there's a lot of people who feel like they're in the wilderness right now. And I, I think it's like a global thing. I was telling our staff the other day, we were just talking about where people are and like what's going on in people's lives, just trying to figure out how best to love and help people. And I said, this is my observation over the last 24 months, 20 months. I said, uh, my observation is this, when, when, uh, when COVID hit, I saw a bunch of people like freak out. Just like, we're all gonna die. And, and a bunch of people just 
weren't sure what to do, and, and, and nobody really knew what to do. The government didn't know what to do. The healthcare workers didn't know what to do. And nobody knew what to do. It was like a real thing, but nobody knew how to approach it, and, and it, caused, it caused like a panic. And I said, I, as that played out, because then it, it went from COVID, and it went to cultural change and societal change and the elections and all that kind of stuff. As that played out, in the middle of all that, I said, I watched people break. Like they, they tried and tried and tried and tried and were committed and doing it and trying to figure it out and trying to be a good parent, a good boss, a good leader, a good... And in the middle of that, some folks just broke. Like, I cannot do this anymore. I said, what I see now is I see people exhausted. It reminds me of a marathon. Have you ever seen those images of a marathon runner and they get the finish lines in sight and their legs give out? And they're just exhausted. Just exhausted. And when I look at our world and our church and in the mirror, I don't see people freaking out. I don't see anybody overblowing anything. I see a lot of people tired. Right? Tired. Like, God, how why does work have to be so difficult? Why why can't why can't I order a part? <laughs> and when you're teaching or leading or in healthcare or fill in your life. And it feels like a wilderness. My my struggles are so overwhelming, I feel like I'm the only person with them. I am so exhausted that I can't hardly think about helping or loving or serving somebody else. I'm like functioning. I'm so walking on eggshells, afraid to say the wrong thing or the right thing or the thing that changed and I didn't know. Just exhausted. And it feels like the wilderness. And it feels like, you know, if everything had just gone right, I wouldn't be here. Or if everybody had just made better decisions, we wouldn't be here. Or if the government would just figure it out, we wouldn't. And I would, I would maybe say, what if you press pause on that and ask a different question? Why does God have us here? Maybe everything didn't go wrong. Maybe there's a plan for our life and it's just not one that we expected or wanted. And if I ask the question, why does God, why does God have me in this marriage? Why does God, ha- why is that kid my kid? Why is my boss that boss? Like, why does God have me here? What's he doing in me? What's he preparing me for? What can I learn about him? 
What did I just learn about myself? What if I was glad I knew those things instead of frustrated that they came to the surface? Would that change? Would it change our experience? Would it change our perspective on God? Would it allow God to do something in us that we didn't really ask him to do, but he knew we needed done? I'm not sure Jesus thought it was just awesome to go into the wilderness and not eat for 40 days and have to square off with the devil and be tempted. There's nothing about that that sounds restful or refreshing. I don't think the cross did either. And I think Jesus did some math. I think he looked back at his father and said, I see it. Got it. Thank you. Because if I hadn't learned what I learned in the wilderness, I don't know how I could have done what you asked me to do. So it all works together. We'll explore Jesus' heart here more in the next couple weeks. We'll explore the heart of the evil one and his attack on Jesus and how he attacks us because he's a legit guy and we need to know about him. And we'll keep trying to put that together so that we can understand maybe why God leads us the way that he leads us, all right? All right, the band's gonna come out. As they rearrange the stage, would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us. God, as we walk through life, there's a million things, God, that, that press in on us. And there are times that we feel destroyed and broken and alone and abandoned and our mind wants to tell us that that's true, but our faith always says it's not. And so to look for you, to hold to you, to, to allow you to lead us places that we would have never chosen to go on our own, to hear from you in ways that we wouldn't normally hear from you, to allow you to give us a clear picture of our heart, which we so struggle to have, and to allow you to love us to love us in a deep and a powerful way, to accept that, to understand that you are working in our lives for our spiritual good, that you want to work through us more than we would ever think to ask. So if you could give us the heart of your son, the teachability of your son, the humility of your son, and the strength and the help, God, to go through it. In these still moments, God, would you press into us in these ways?